Do you like to eat like every day? Do you like to travel for special occasions, food festivals, music festivals, or just save some serious coin on your next vacation? Well, then you have found the right show. A Fork on the Road comes to you every week loaded with celebrities who travel for a living. Actors, musicians, chefs. With me, Mark DiCarlo from the Travel Channel and the James Beard Award-winning foodie, Jennifer English. Connect with me on Instagram at TV and on Twitter at MarkDiCarlo. Listen to the show everywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe at fbpodcasts.com. Fork on the road. I'm Mark DeCarlo, your travel guru. She, Jennifer English, the James Beard Award-winning journalist, and this is the only show you need for food, fun, travel, and hijinks. I'm glad you didn't say hygiene. <laughs> no, I haven't showered in three weeks. Who needs it? <laughs> Boy, what a show we have for you today. We do. You know, it's summertime, and uh, Europe is cheap. If you've ever been thinking about going to Europe in your life, the uh, euro is 1.1 to the dollar wow. last time I and it used to be close to 2, so it's a good time to go. Um today we're going to be talking to Ken Dunn from Eating Europe, which is a great food tour company. They're all over Europe, London, Paris, Rome, uh Barcelona, all over. We're going to be talking to him. Uh we'll be taking your calls later in the hour if people are thinking about going to Europe, and Jennifer and I will help you plan your trip to make the most out of the time you have there. That's the key with traveling. Well, you're Either, going to Europe this summer, too. I am. I'm going to going to London. I'm going to Paris. I'm going to Tuscany. And then we're going to the Greek Isles nice. for a week. You know what? I'm going to be doing some video stuff over there that'll uh, pop up on the Food and Beverage Network. It's a, it's a crowded time to be in Europe, but it's warm. It's beautiful. And there's... Plenty of things to do, and more importantly, lots of delicious things to eat. So we're going to be hitting on all those uh, topics. I'm cleansing, getting ready for the trip, and um, uh, it actually kind of resets all your internal organs and cleans you out. It makes you feel <laughs> makes you feel good. At least that's what I'm telling it's myself. Clean. Can I tell you that makes? Here's the thing. You're an LA guy. You're like a Hollywood guy. You're like you're like one of my famous friends. And you guys have to do so much hard stuff cuz you're on camera all the time. And I was like for years, for 20 years I've been like, "Wow, I'm I love being on radio because I love the medium of radio and I love that I don't have to not eat cheesecake or brisket." But now yeah. everybody has Facebook Live what they're doing on Facebook Live. So now everything is TV, and we're all on camera, and now I've got to say no to the cheesecake if I want to have the brisket, or yes to the cheesecake if I don't have the... I mean, it, I know what you're going through now, and I never fully appreciated it until now. <laughs> you know what? It's not... It's not uh, all I'm thinking about is the food 
in, uh, we've been to Italy several times, just a tomato with salt and cheese is a meal in Italy. Everything is so delicious in Europe mm-hmm. that I'm willing to, to, to forego some American food uh, to get ready for this, this trip. W- one of the reasons, you know, is there's a lot of preservatives and junk that we put in the food here. In Europe, they don't do that. Right. It's f- very much more farm to table. It always has been. So the food's fresher and more colorful. And uh, uh, and I'm eating protein. It's not like I'm starving myself because if you starve yourself, that's worse. That's worse. So I'm but you know getting what's tons of protein and uh, eating well and uh, getting ready. One thing you might find interesting and some small consolation as you forego, as you do your cleanse, that the tomato... And I'm foregoing the crap out of it. Believe I know. me, I'm starving. <laughs> The tomato with the salt and pepper on it, just the, the, that beautiful, that's zero points in Weight Watchers. Uh, those plans work for a lot of people. As we talked about last week when we had uh, Del Hall on the show, the guy who drank nothing but beer for 40 days. I have told I everybody was, about that, by the way. It, it, you did? Yeah. yeah. It was a good show. Uh, and, and he lost weight drinking nothing but beer. Um, and we, we, he and I commiserated because I was really fat when I was in high school and you know, I don't want to ever, I just don't feel good when I don't feel, when I feel fat. So I've been able to keep the weight off since high school and uh, periodically, usually once a year, I do that master cleanse and that cleans you out and, uh, makes you feel good. But the, the, the food is so delicious over in Europe. Uh, I, um, I'm, I'm, we're really looking forward to it. And as we've talked before, I, I think. The essence of traveling, if you want to be a tourist, be a tourist, get on a bus, take your pictures and go home. But if you really want to travel and really get the flavor of wherever you happen to be, that's eating and that's talking to strangers. Right. And um, that's what we're looking forward uh, to do. And our, our first guest on the show has turned that real simple idea of really burrowing into the culture of wherever you are and turned it into a business. Um, because often, you know, let's say you're in Rome and you've never been there before. How do you know where to go to eat and meet people? You know, you go, if you go to the tourist places, you're not going to meet Italians. You're going to meet other Americans. So this company called Eating Europe has sprung up and, what they do is truly amazing and uh, delicious and so culturally um, immersive that we love it. We did, we've done it in several different countries. We're going to do it again this summer, and we're really happy to have with us uh, one of their imperial booftars, Ken Dunn. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. I'm calling from one of the wine cellars. We do the tasting. Let me, can I call right back in? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I'll do that. And, right and we're going to go to, we're going to take our first break right now, Mark, uh, so that gives him a He's chance to do that. from a wine cellar. That tells that's, you what a great company it is. That's a great company. But you know what's really interesting, too? This idea that when you travel, you want to taste what's local. You don't just want to, you don't just want to tour and, and talk to strangers and eat with strangers. You want to talk and eat with strangers. You, you don't want to have a meal by yourself in their place. You want to have a meal with them. But if, if you are by yourself or you're traveling as a couple, the key, I think, is to talk to the people around you. We, we were in, um, in uh, Tuscany and we went to Osteria di Passignano. And we happened to be on our honeymoon, and we saw an older couple in the corner celebrating their 56th wedding anniversary. Nice. So we went over and spent the hour with them. 
they let us sit with them and we had dinner with them and and we talked to them and and uh it was one of our more authentic italian experiences um we learned about their life we learned about their kids and their food and where they lived and it was it's it's the kind of thing you don't get if you're on a bus with 50 other americans just being shuttled from place to place to place to place i mean that's fine if that's what you want to do but i think for uh, certainly the folks that listen to our show and the people that are really interested in learning about different people and different cultures and experiencing different food this is the way to go and uh, eating europe really has done a great job in curating walking tours and food tours that really connect you to the the marrow and the bone of wherever you happen to be. Well, so and, and, I, and I think these are adventures. It's the difference between going on a trip or a tour and having an adventure. And Ken's company lets you have adventures around food experiences because inevitably on these adventures, you will meet people, you will get in close, personal, intimate proximity with them. And it's going to be all the difference. And we did. We met a couple people on the the um, the Roman tour, and then they were like, "Well, okay, you're from America. Meet us at this taverna tonight." And we just hung out with them all night long, drinking and meeting other Italian friends. It's like it's like what we do when people come to visit here. You know, you take them out, and you you show them a, a, a good time, and you introduce them to your friends, and it's just basic hospitality with a capital H. And right. they, they've figured out a way to micromanage this in every city with real authentic experts in every locale and it, it's a it's a great company and as soon as he gets out of the wine cellar i'm sure ken will come back all right so ken tell us what eating europe is where it came from and then we can get into specifics yeah so eating europe uh was born eight years ago here in rome which is where i'm calling from um and really it came from the idea I, i'm originally from philadelphia you probably pick that up from my accent. I had been living here for a couple of years. And the, th- the thing I loved most was taking people around, not so much to the big attractions, but just around right. my neighborhood to see the local market, where I go for my morning cappuccino, and introduce them to some of the people, like the ones you just described, as some of the ones you met when you were here. And, you know, these were people who were part of my daily life. And so that kind of very informal experience that I had with friends and family kind of morphed into an actual business back in 2011, starting here in Rome in my neighborhood. And then, you know, as, uh, as it's happened, you know, we've grown out of that one neighborhood into several others and into other cities in Italy and then into other cities all around Europe. But with that same idea that I had in the very beginning, which is really to kind of give people a taste of local life, Mm -hmm. you know, so part of that's the food, but part of that is just kind of understanding why you don't drink a cappuccino after dinner, you know, some (laughs) of those kind of food culture things, meeting some of the characters that you got a chance to meet when you were here and just Mm -hmm. getting, you know, a taste of uh, what it's like to live in these amazing European cities. Like, uh, like this one. Yeah, and I think as you've scaled up your business, you have triumphed in that you haven't sold out. Uh, I, I don't want to disparage big tour companies, right? Uh, that, you know, they fly everybody over, there's 50 people on a bus, and you go place to place to place. It's better 
to do that than stay in your house. But it's truly a different experience the way way you do it with Eating Europe because the woman that took us, we did the Trastevere tour, and I think we did uh, seven different eateries. I mean, first we had uh, we had some coffee, then we had an appetizer, then we had dinner, then we had gelato, and we went all around the neighborhood, and she she knew the people there. All the food was excellent, and all the people that were on the tour, there were only maybe 15 people. What Do you cap each tour? Do you cap the, t- the tour size? Yeah, most of our tours cap at 10 or max 12. So um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, we really want to create that kind of intimate setting, and definitely meeting the other people in your group is part of the experience, and we get people Absolutely. from all over the world. So that's, uh, right. that's pretty cool wherever you're coming from. So how have you found other people who have the same passion as you do in all these different cities? Because what makes, I think, your business and Eating Europe so special is the locality of it and the personality of it. And it wouldn't be the same if it was 50 people going to, you know, the McDonald's of Florence or whatever. Do you personally screen each of these tour leaders? Yeah. So, well, it first starts with the person on the ground. So in every one of these cities, we have a local manager and it's really their baby, you know, so it's finding someone in London and Paris and Lisbon who, like you said, is just as passionate as I am about, you know, living here in Rome and the food here. And they're the ones, you know, who really kind of bring the thing to life. They're the ones who, you know, have these local places that they love, and all the different kind of characters who are behind the food, the people we like to call the food heroes. And um, so it starts with that person. Then that person then screens the various, um, you know, tour leaders in their city. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I'm involved in that process. But really what, what we found works best is, you know, to let the person who knows that city most really kind of, create the experiences and find the ones who can help bring it to life. That is the key because it feels very personalized and specialized. And uh, our tour guide, she was fantastic. She, you know, knew all the restaurant tours that we went to and you don't feel as a client, you don't feel like you're going to this place because they cut them a deal or it's not a transactional experience. I, we we definitely felt that we were going to each of these places because our tour leader loved the place. Like if I was going to do this, I grew up in Chicago. So if I was going to do this in Chicago, there are 10 places that I would take people that I know are fantastic. We'd go to Wrigleyville. We'd go to Paisano's Pizza. We'd go out on the lake. We would do the riverboat tour. There are certain things that I know are great because I've lived there for so long and I love the city and you've, you in the several times that we've done this, everybody that uh, has led our tour has that same passion for the place. And the food is ridiculous, ridiculously delicious. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah. the food tour after all. I mean, if, if we're not delivering on the food, then I think uh, we're obviously falling to it. But I'm glad to hear you say that. Oh, yeah. And you have a little, you know, you have a, a, a course in each place. Then you walk around a little bit. We had some... Cu- I, I don't know how the Romans do it. You know what Cacio Pepe is, right, Jennifer? Oh. <clears throat> it, it, yes. It, it, yes, I do, it, Mark. It, and I would like to say <laughs> that when I'm dying, bring me some of this. 
No kidding. It's so simple. It's pasta, pepper, and cheese. But it's so freaking delicious in Rome. Oh, my God. Yes, because they actually put the pasta in the scooped-out cheese so that the cheese mm-hmm. melts away from the sides of the cheese wheel. And the wheel of cheese is as big as a, a Kenworth semi's tire sometimes. I mean, it's, this yeah. gi- it's just wonderfully, ridiculously, voluminously delicious. Yes. Oh, well, the oh. other real key is to use the pasta water, that starchy pasta water, where they boil the pasta and add that back in when you're adding the cheese. And that kind of creates that creaminess. Stickiness, so that's yeah. Kind of like, that's, the, uh, that's one of the little tricks or, you know, secrets that we'd like to reveal on our tour. Um, you know, how, why some of these dishes, and, and that's such a great example that seems so simple, what makes them so great. So anytime we can kind of help provide a bit of that explanation, I think uh, that goes a long way. And then, you know, you can try it when you get home. Um, we're try speaking... We're speaking uh, with, with with Ken, and and he's telling us, taunting us, tempting us, teasing us uh, to take the tour. Uh, are every city you go to equally delicious? How do you define what it takes to make the cut and say this is worth exploring? Is it everywhere in Europe? Yeah, I mean, personally, so I've traveled all over the world before I got into this. That, and, and like Mark was saying, to me, you know, the best part about traveling is always kind of eating, meeting the people. And there's nowhere I haven't been that, you know, I haven't discovered amazing places, great food, interesting, you know, stories and, and people. So I think every place does make the cut. With that being said, of course, there's certain cuisines that I like better than other cuisines. But some of my, I mean, we just recently created a tour in Vienna. There is this sandwich shop. They do these open face sandwiches where it's like walking back in time. It hasn't changed at all in like 140 years. There's like 70 different of these sandwich combinations. You know, you want to try every single one. And they serve you these little mini beers that I don't even know how many ounces. I would say probably three or four ounces, but, you know, They go down perfectly. The beer is obviously great in Austria. And, you know, who would even really think, other than maybe like soccer or strudel, that, you know, the cuisine in in Vienna and Austria is that great. But, you know, the person we have there has found all these little treasures. And the tour there, I find, is just as good and enjoyable and delicious as, let's say, the tour in Paris which is a no-brainer when you think about, you know, where you want to eat when you want to go to Europe. So I think it's really about finding those places, and every city absolutely has. We're going to take a very quick break, and we come back more from A Fork on the Road taking you on tour, the Grand European Tour. Why do you go? Why does anybody go anywhere? To eat. Duh. We will be right back with uh, Ken Dunn from Eating Europe. We're going to eat, talk about eating and then talk about what we ate. Make sure you never miss a hilariously delicious episode of A Fork on the Road by subscribing at fbpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram. Jennifer English is FlavorBank on Twitter and hashtag FlavorBank on Instagram. I'm at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram, where I post all the funny things I see in my travels, including... 
cranky tourists. Welcome back to you. We're talking to Ken Dunn from Eating Europe, uh, who's built an amazing business by really burrowing down into the culture and the food life of every uh, city that he, he works in. Um, I'm, I'm trying to explain uh, your, your app and your business to people. You know how people use uh, Yelp here. You know, like if you want to go out in your own city and you're looking for a place to eat, you go and you look at the reviews and all la 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 la. But that's easy to game. You know, some restaurants put a bunch of fake reviews in there and it's not personal. What I think is really spectacular about your service is that it's really personal and you meet, uh, as we've been talking about, you really get a, a solid flavor of not only the city that you're in, but the people that choose to live there. Um, what, what are some of your, uh, and there's different tours in each city, right, Ken? Like it, I, I know in Rome, yeah. you have several. Yeah. yeah. In each city, we have different tours and in certain cities like Prague, you know, in Prague, they drink more beer than water. So we got to create a, a beer tour in Prague or else, you know, cause that's what so many people want to experience. So yeah. So in certain cities, we have different kind of tours in all cities and each city kind of caters to the local cuisine. Listen, mm-hmm. Ken, I've got to say, one of the things that was most intriguing about the concept of what you do is the local aspect. We just had the, the Delice network of, of cities. There were 35 international cities who've all gotten the Delice designation of membership in an organization where the one of the main thrusts of their tourism is the culinary scene. And the key to the culinary scene is having a superstar food moment, whether it's a product or a place, that if you leave that city, you have to say, did you, did you, did you go there and did you try it? But taking that one step further, you make that be about the local that it's not enough to just be in the place you have to eat in the place and to eat in the place you have to eat local you don't go to rome and eat chinese food <laughs> you know <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it no so so talk about the local aspect because one of the reasons tucson arizona where i am at the at the moment is designated as a unesco city of gastronomy is because of the local food scene. How important is local globally? I, th- I think local is huge globally, and um, certainly that's something, as you said, Jennifer, that we're in all our tours really trying to feature because when you travel to a place, that's ultimately what you're looking to experience is mm-hmm. what that local cuisine is, that local culture. Um, And I think just seeing kind of, I mean, all over, of course, the U.S., but here in Europe, too, you've just seen such an explosion of, you know, restaurants and just the whole food scene in general. And one of the trends I see everywhere is kind of taking those local classic dishes and just reinventing them, finding ways to kind of do it a little bit differently, whether it's the kind of venue or um, or even some kind of fusion, just kind of a new take on old classics. And, um, and that's something really fun and I think really uh, interesting for us to feature on the tours too is to take people, you know, to a wine cellar that's 90 years older than the Vatican here in Rome and then also take them to somewhere brand new that is, you know, coming up with a completely new kind of take on street food. And Ken, and can so kind of both both sides. You know? Ken, I want to ask you, what is special about Europe 
that makes it the kind of place that this could happen. Could something like this happen in the United States? Food tours, yeah. Um, well, let me answer both questions. So what I think is really special about Europe, and you guys were talking about this earlier, is just the traditions, the, you know, it's, it's not a trend part of the table. It's what's always been in place. So a lot of the things that in the U.S. people are appreciating, yeah, like you said, it's old, and these foods, what are kind of trends in the U.S., are just part of how people eat forever. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's one of the real unique things. And, and, and you actually have an opportunity to go to an old market and really say, like, this market's been here for 300 years and hasn't changed all that much, and it's not because it's a trendy thing. It's just that's the way people have always shopped. Um, in and it terms works. Of food tools, you know, it functions, and it, 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 it lasts for 300 years because it works, right? And it's well exactly, done. Yeah. And, and uh, I think that's a, that's a major key. You're, you're not uh, reinventing the wheel. You're going to where the wheel was invented and experiencing it. Exactly. And I think one of the things that I find, you know, in, in the U.S., like I said, I'm originally from Philadelphia. So there, like many cities like Chicago, um, you know, you're seeing all these kind of local shops, you know, the local butcher, fishmonger, these kind of places that really had died out. They're now coming back. We're here in, in Italy or, or Paris, in Rome or Paris or, or, or Prague or any of these cities. These places never died out. It's, I mean, I still go for my fish right across the street to the local fishmonger. His grandfather started it. His parents took over. Now he's running it with his dad. And so some of these trends in the U.S. are things that really never kind of went out of fashion um, here in Europe. So I think it's kind of going back and seeing that. And because you have that heritage, it's not, you know, a bright, shiny place that just opened up, but it's a kind of an old school butcher shop that's been there forever. Or, that's know, a great point. And I think it's a function of geography, really. All the cities in Europe were built before cars. So the fishmonger had to be two doors away. And the, the butcher had to be on the next block. And people seem to take their food much more... I don't know if seriously is the right word. It's much more a part of your daily life, the actual sourcing and eating of food than here in America, because here people go to, you know, they go to franchise restaurants and they eat giant portions because uh, we've got 300 million people to feed. There is not 300 million people in Italy. It's a smaller group of people so you can be more hands-on and more um, farm-to-table and more focused. And and as Ken was just saying, that's never changed. It's been that way. And kind of Americans are able to rediscover it now through eating Europe and food tours uh, and kind of getting back to how it all started. And it's it's just a more delicious, thoughtful way of living i think than the way the vast majority of people live here in america hey ken can i ask a question yeah ken let me ask you a question what do i get to eat try or do that i that i wouldn't get to do on my own that i can do with your tours tell her about the the uh the the wine cellar that's dates to like zero bc (laughs) (laughs) actually 90 before so even a little further back um 
Well, that, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Mark. I mean, that's a great example of it's the kind of place that place isn't written up, you know, uh, all over Yelp or TripAdvisor or every guidebook or whatever you might be doing researching for your trip. It's kind of a place that isn't that known. But here it is, you know, you walk down these steps and you're literally going back in time 90 years older than the Colosseum, which, of course, is already very old. Um, and then while you're down there, they have about 700 different bottles of wine. So we're down there, we're trying the wine, we're meeting the owner um, and his mom, who's, who's the cook, learning about the place, which is just fascinating. You know, wine, we're having a recipe that um, was actually, it's a dish that goes back, it's as old as the wine cellar itself. It was something, it was one of Julius Caesar's favorite dishes, this pork stew. And so all of that comes together. So even if you did hear of that restaurant and you managed to dine there, to be in the wine cellar where no one else is actually allowed to, to eat, um, to meet, you know, the family, to have to, and then kind of to learn their story and everything, that, that's kind of the full experience that you're getting on a tour, even if you were to have just, you know, managed to um, have dinner there. So it's, it's kind of pulling all of those different elements together um, that I think really, uh, you know, really makes the experience so unforgettable. So there's a reverence for it. There's a reverence for tradition and for where all that stuff came from. In, in that wine cellar, you walk down these stairs and it's a, there's bricks and, and probably uh, terracotta. I don't know what the building materials are, but you look up two floors and you can see you can see the different times that it was built over the millennia. There's this level, and then the next level up was a little bit newer, and the next level up was a little bit newer. And you're down, as Ken just said, before the Colosseum in a wine cellar that Romans back then were like, hey, we can go out and fight and cause a lot of trouble, but at the end of the day, we got to have good wine or none of it's worth it. <laughs> well, it's worth it, but it's worth it less. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you you've got five stars every you know on TripAdvisor. Everyone loves this. The, these are priced. It, I don't know how you do it for the money that you charge. What, what's a typical cost in uh, uh, dollars for the Rome trip? Do you know off the top of your well, head? Well, we have like like we said before, we have some different options. So, kind of an evening tour, which is the one you did, our Twilight Plus Seven Day tour. That in dollars uh, is around $100. And that's, you know, seven different stops, four hours long. Wow. You know, as you could probably attest, it's a lot of food, a lot of delicious food. That's a gong. Delicious. It's delicious and so worth it. You'd never find, first of all, you'd never find all these places yourself. You, you walk out of there stuffed, not stuffed, but you had enough food. You don't, it, it's a, just a really, Great value, I think. Well, it's uh, a ganga, and you're not going to... When they know they're cooking for you guys, they're going to try a little harder. It's going to be a little more delicious yeah. than it would be if you went on your own. I know how these because people are. Because they're proud. I right? know what you're, these things are all about. Yeah, they're, they're proud that you're and there. And you come back. Absolutely. Exactly. Exa and we did. We went back to several of the places that we found uh, on the tour. I always find um, it's best if you're going to be in a place for four or five days to do the tour on the first day 
not only do you get kind of a lay of the land, but you also may find a place that you want to go back and have a full dinner at, as well as with some friends that you meet along the way. Um, uh, what, what, are, uh, what are your three most popular city tours, would you say? Well, the one you did is definitely our most popular tour, just because it's Rome, and um, it's one of our first tours, and it's, so that's the Twilight Trastevere tour in this iconic, um, very vibrant neighborhood called Trastevere, and, you know, wandering the back streets in the evening time. It's just a great mm-hmm. night out. Um, it's uh, one of our most popular tours. You know, excuse me, Ken, that, that's, that's the right word. It's, it's, the, it's a night out on the town, complete, complete. There's drinking, there's friends, there's new friends, there's food, and you really get, a, uh, it's like what you would do uh, for fun. It's a complete night out. I want to make sure people understand it's not just sitting in a restaurant and eating something and then moving on to the next place. You really feel like you're just partying in Trastevere or at the Coliseum. Uh, it, it's, uh, that, that was a great term. So go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupt you. No, no problem. <laughs> And one thing I love about our evening tours is at the end of the day, in most cities, you're either going to just be going to a restaurant, which there's nothing wrong with, and we all do it, but or you can do something like this, which you're going to a bunch of restaurants, and you're having this more kind of complete uh, night out, as you're saying, rather than just dining in, in one place. We're talking... Um, so another one I look... Oh, go ahead. We're talking with Ken Dunn from Eating Europe. And if you're planning a trip anywhere in the world, this is an inspiration no matter where you're going. But if you're going to Europe, you want to visit his website, eatingeurope.com, um, because this is the place to get it organized with the local experts. He's talking with our own Mark DiCarlo, and you are listening to A Fork on the Road. Mark, help me understand something. Mm-hmm. These people that take you on these tours, mm-hmm. Ken's team, Ken's people, is it about the food or is it about the people? It's about, I live in this great city. I friggin' love it. And I'm going to show these 12 people why it's great to live here. Part of that is the, 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 the bar culture. Part of it is the food. A huge part of it is all the weird people that I know in this city. And it's, it's, such a pride of place, and um, I, I think that's it. It's like, this is a great place. Let me take you 12 people around and show you what I mean. And each person, each tour leader is so individually uh, vested in their area. It, it's, it, it's, there are very few things in life that are just perfect the way they are, and I think you just nailed this, Ken. You just did. <laughs> wow, you know what I mean? That is a high praise. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, because traveling, people save up for years and years, especially to go to Europe. It's a, you know, it's a hefty price tag to get there, and you want to make sure that you really have an authentic experience. And uh, I think it's rare for a company to get between the person and an authentic experience and increase the value and the potency of that authenticity. But you guys really uh, do it well. You know, I'm a happy customer will be again, and uh, I just hope that people that are planning, it, it, it helps you plan. You just get the most out of where you're going, and they've got, they've got tours in Rome, and Florence, Amsterdam, London, Prague, Paris, a uh, new one in Lisbon. 
Is there a place you'd want to go that you haven't been able to establish a foothold yet, Ken? Oh, lots of places. Yeah. So, I mean, we're currently in 10 cities. I mean, I'd say there's in Europe another 15 or so we'd love to get to. Say Dublin. I, I mean, what a great culture. I mean, mm-hmm. great food. Such great storytelling, such great storytellers. Um, Spain, I mean, Barcelona, Madrid. Um, I mean, there's so many, like I said before, I mean, I think every city has, you know, its own unique cuisine, its own places, its own stories. And so, you know, for us, it's just about kind of taking our time and finding the right people and, and, and trying to uh, bring these kind of experiences to life. Uh, in other places as well. Do you know Parma, Italy? And where would you eat in Parma, Italy? I do know Parma, Italy. I've been there. I've had their amazing prosciutto, which is what they're famous for. Um, gosh, I don't have a restaurant off the top of my head. I'm do you have a dish that we should order when we're there? Because I know that that is uh, where the Barilla pasta is from there. The Parmalat is from there. But the prosciutto di Parma and the Reggiano Parmigiano oh. are both there. And hello, you want to talk about taking the, 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 the pasta. What do you call it, Mark? I want it in the Reggiano. I want it right there in the bowl in front of me. Cacio Pepe. Cacio Pepe. Right? I want that with the Reggiano. That's what I want. That real sharp cheese. Oh, yeah. so good. So, yeah. so good. Bologna is in the same region. And I think everyone loves and knows bolognese sauce. So fettuccine alla bolognese is definitely a dish you'd want to have with that delicious Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese, which comes from right up the road. I would try the mortadella, which is uh, which people think is like bologna in the U.S., but it just actually gets its name, bologna, from Bologna, which is where that's from. But it's a completely different thing. Um, you know, it's in the prosciutto family, it's, but, uh, you know, cured meat, but just absolutely to die for. So those are two things that I like eating when I'm in that region. I also noticed uh, we were there um, in September, I believe it was, and we ate all day, every day, and came home uh, losing weight. Um, I, I think there's two components of that. You walk a lot when you're there, but also I think the food is fresh got no preservatives and it's healthy and it's you know it was made around the corner and it's all just uh delicious so you can really you can eat your head off and your pants don't get tight (laughs) you are listening to a fork on the road our guest this hour is ken dunn from eatingeurope.com kathleen is on the phone and she has a question about a city welcome her to a fork on the road how are you thanks for listening kathleen are you going to Europe this summer, Kathleen? We're, we're going to Croatia on Ooh, the coast. That sounds delicious. Have you been there before? No. I love that. So what's where big, should we eat and what should we look for? Okay, let's go to our I'm expert. i talk this to Ken. I've never been to Croatia. Have you? No, I haven't. Well, let's go to Ken. Ken, where should we go in Croatia? Well, for, um, in Croatia, I mean, the Dalmatian coast is beautiful, the island. Um, obviously Dubrovnik is a city that uh, is very historic and beautiful does get a little crowded but is nice I personally like the northern peninsula Um, there's uh, a town called Pula and and 
it's basically kind of the part that's, that's connected to, uh, to Italy. Uh-huh. And when it comes to cuisine, what's interesting about Croatia, because it's really just right across the water, the Adriatic from Italy, it does share a very similar Mediterranean cuisine. So a lot right. of the wonderful wine, um, delicious seafood, like the octopus is wonderful, um, you know, veal. So a lot of the kind of, um, you know, uh, Italian, you know, spices and dishes you're going to find in Croatia, and, and many of them are just as good. And one of the things that we want to point out is that Dalmatian coast is also the opposite side of the Italian region that Lydia Bastianich is from. And if you love watching Lydia Bastianich and the flavors of that part of the Adriatic, um, these are incredibly delicious, bright flavors, and they're more familiar than you think. Even things like the frito mistos there are going to use the local mm-hmm. fish and be delicious. And then the it's citrus. Greek and Italian kind of blended together. Yeah. Exactly. super delicious exactly. Kathleen thanks for calling in thanks for listening wait wait wait, wait, wait. Kathleen why are you going there is it a big event or are you just going there to go she's already gone on her trip she called us from the TSA line <laughs> are you going to Europe this summer where are you going our expert Ken Dunn from Eating Europe might just add your city to his list can you tip your hand a little bit Ken and tell us where you might be adding well, we're adding very just right down the road from where I am now, Naples, <gasps> the birthplace of pizza. Uh. Yeah, I mean, the home of mozzarella di bufala. I mean, Naples, Napoli is just such an incredible food city. So we're already kind of, that's just a few weeks away, so I'm happy to tip my hand there. You know what? we um, got to play a little uh, n- n- um, Mambo Italiano. That's the yeah, Napoli please, song. A little, <laughs> maybe we can find that and play you out with the, that. Um, what about Sorrento, Ken? Um, Sorrento's in the, I was interestingly just there about three weeks ago. Um, yeah, Sorrento's a great food city. Um, you know, just just a hop, skip, and a jump from Naples. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're not. That's not kind of on our list right as, uh, as, as we speak now, but uh, I'd encourage everyone to go. Gorgeous. The food's incredible. You're right, right across the water from Capri, which is just breathtaking. So, um, yeah, definitely go. We won't be there at least, you know, this year, I can say that much. And then I have one other favorite place of mine that's on my bucket list, and it's on my please, I hope, to get to go there before I'm gone list, and that's the Cinque Terre, and in particular Portofino. I hope I get to go to the Splendido someday. People love Venice. People love the regions of the Mediterranean, whether you go all the way to the to the west, to the south of France, and all the way through to the Cinque Terre. What are those kinds of places representing? Are they still the tourist destination that we dream them to be? Yeah, I mean, I think with so many of these places, whether it's Cinque Terre or the Amalfi Coast, um, and I've been to both of those places many times. I mean, inherently, they're just so gorgeous. I mean, and that's just not going to change. Of course, depending on the time of year you go, you know, a place like the Cinque Terre, it's, it's not that big. It's five small kind of villages, if you will, and they can get very crowded. So if you can choose kind of an elbow season, let's say in October, or earlier in the season in the spring, you know, you're going to have more space. You're going to have more of that beautiful destination to enjoy on your own. But I mean, you've seen the pictures. It looks even better in real life. 
Um, so absolutely, it won't disappoint. I just think if you can time it right, then you're going to enjoy it even more. September typically is a good time to go. It's still uh, warm-ish there. You know, it doesn't get cold yet. And kids are back in school. Uh, everyone's back at work. And there was a little more elbow room uh, to uh, get around last September. I- I'm-, I'm anticipating a much more crowded experience going in June uh, and July. But you know what? That can be that can be fun, too. Ken Dunn, we want to say thank you. Mille grazie for coming to be with us. Grazie Europe me. is... Grazie mille. <laughs> Ken, uh, that's all I know. That's it. <laughs> grazie it a tutti. Pleasure. It was a true pleasure. Thank you so much. I was really glad to talk to you both. Thank you, Jennifer Mark. EatingEurope.com is the website if you want to go and have a really lovely local experience guided by Cannot someone who... Cannot recommend it strongly enough. Fantastic value. Wonderful people. So thoughtful and so you'll you walk away from an eating Europe tour feeling like you are a local. And that is the 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 ultimate, I think, in travel. You're doing a great job, Ken. Keep it up and uh, continued success. Thank you very much. Hope to see you somewhere over here soon. What a great show. Talk to Ken Dunn. We ate our way through Europe and ended up eating tacos in Tucson. You never know what's going to happen on a fork on the road. Jennifer English, thank you so much for your conviviality and your adjectives, which are making my protein-drinking stomach turn. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. She's Jennifer English at Flavor Bank, and I'm at Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into travel, food, and funny. Until then, I'll see you at a fork on the road.
करते हैं 